Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized enterprises. Today, we've got a very special guest who's joining us from Arizona. Marco Robert is, uh, Marco, you spent a lot of your career in the San Francisco area. You're originally from Canada. I I wanted to have you on the show because a big part of your career has been dealing with turnaround situations in the corporate world. I'm wondering if we can start, why don't you just give us a little bit about your background and, uh, and give us some idea of what kind of experiences you've been living through for the past couple of decades. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You know, I do a lot of radio shows, a lot of podcasts, and a lot of these people out there, sometimes it's not really related to business. So to be able to really talk business, even in this time of pandemic, is really exciting for me. So, um, how do you get into turnarounds, right? Well, I think there's two ways that actually you become a consultant and you do turnarounds. Number one, you see a lot of guys getting an MBA, working for a big firm, and then either they actually walk along the echelons of that firm or they, ended up, they end up branching out and starting their own consulting practice. The other way is the way that I took is right after college, I actually started some businesses. I became successful. Then I realized that a lot of other businesses, business owners didn't know how to do that. So I started a consulting practice, right? And so since I was, uh, since the age of 31 now, I've been consulting. Now, why turnarounds? Well, what I was doing is this, right? <clears throat> when I started in my, in my consulting practice, I thought, hey, business is pretty simple. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach people exactly what I did in my own businesses, and they're going to succeed. So using the exact same things. And you have to understand that my success was in the restaurant industry. That's where I started, right? Okay. I, my background, I grew up in a restaurant industry. My parents owned a couple of restaurants when I was a kid. My degree is in hotel and restaurant management. So when I went in business for myself, it made sense to go in the restaurant business. So when I started my consulting practice after selling my restaurants, I consulted with restaurants. And I knew the business inside and out. And I would help this guy and I would teach him everything I knew. And then this one guy would just, would see his business explode. And the guy across the street would just struggle and his business wouldn't change at all. And I couldn't figure out why. Like literally I was teaching him the same information and I couldn't figure out why. And it took about three or four years. And then one day I was actually attending a meeting from another consultant in Silicon Valley. And he said, uh, you have to remember guys that the foundation of every business is the human being who actually runs that business. It's like a, a light bulb went off in my head. And I understood at that moment that the reason why some of my clients were succeeding and some were not with the same information is because of who they were. Mm-hmm. So I started to get into that. And then I realized that there's a lot of people who were struggling in business because they, they simply, you see, see, this is the way I explained it today, David. I said, there's two types of human beings. And you can literally, in my, in my world, I divide the world into two types. On the one hand, you have this huge blob. That's the vast majority of people. I call them normal, average, ordinary people, right? Or NAOP for short. And normal, average, ordinary people, whether they have information or no information or education or no education, they will have normal, average, and ordinary results in life. Whether they own a business or whether they work for the man, right? Now, on the other side, you have a minority of people that I describe as outlier entrepreneurs. That's the name I I came up with. An outlier entrepreneur is somebody who defines themselves based on their own strengths. They're self-asserted. 
right? Mm. That's why they're an outlier. The term outlier means some, something that is outside of the norm. So you mean in the way that they can sort of uh, reflect upon themselves in an analytical way and actually observe their own behaviors and then maybe take actions to change these things? That's one of the ways, right? That's one okay. of the ways. I actually describe them. If you want later, I can actually go into what I call the four keys to success that actually define those outlier entrepreneurs. But they're self-assertive, right? That means that they, they know what they stand for and they ask themselves a lot of questions and their, mm -hmm. their lives are not defined by the forces of the environment. Their lives are defined by the inner forces inside of them. That's the best way to describe them. Okay? Okay. And why entrepreneur? Well, because, you know, you know, because you speak French, the word entrepreneur in French, it means a person who undertakes, right? It's somebody, someone who undertakes. So what do they undertake? Well, entrepreneurs undertake to find solutions to the world. That's what we do. So there's a big difference between a business owner who's somebody, somebody, simply someone who owns a business, right? You own a business. Whoa, bravo, you're a business owner. An entrepreneur is somebody who, who is devoted, not just to making money, but to finding solutions to the world. Yeah. So if you can actually help people move away from being normal, average, ordinary people and become outlier entrepreneurs, then you can totally turn around their businesses. This is the foundation of what I do today. Now, and I just want to add one thing. There's nothing wrong with being a normal, average, ordinary person. Like every, most, almost everybody in my family is a normal person. The people I went to school with, the people, the people who raised you, most, most of them are normal, average, ordinary. It only becomes wrong when you are dissatisfied. When as a business owner, you raise your hand and you say, I am dissatisfied with my results. I want extraordinary results. Okay, no problem. But you cannot be a normal person who follows the crowds, who, who, who walks towards the slaughterhouse with all the other muttons, right? Yeah. And expect extraordinary results in life. That's just, that's just the point. So that's kind of how I went into this idea of, of turning businesses around. And so once you, once you made this realization, I guess one of the things you, you realized is that, hey, I don't just have to work on the business, I have to work on the person. So what I realized is that the reason why I was successful in business was not because I had this fancy business degree, was not because I had read more business books than most of my contemporaries. It's because of who I was, because mm -hmm. of all the, the mind spinning stuff that I had done since I was in my early 20s with guys like Tony Robbins and all those people out there. I had taken all those courses. I had psyched myself to become the kind of person who could actually achieve anything. And I, wanna, I, I didn't think that was that important. I was doing it because, you know, I had some challenges early on when I, right after college, you know, my, my dad passed away and I had some emotional challenges. So that's why I sought out some tools, but I didn't realize how important it was to actually have the right mindset, have the right attitude, have the right stamina and understand who you are. It's essential, right? So, so I built a consulting practice based on, on some of these principles and other principles. We, we built it up until 2010. At the end, I had about 12 consultants working for me. But I'm, you can probably tell just by interacting with me a little bit, I'm not a corporate guy. For me to actually be behind a desk, you know, seven days a week or six days a week doesn't work. So after managing my own consulting firm, did, did your I firm just kind of out. Did your firm stay within the domain of hospitality or did you end up branching no. into some other... Small and medium-sized companies. Okay. Yeah. What happened is 
I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to business. And uh, early on, I devised a methodology for actually creating success in business. I created a, I created a system for consulting with businesses. And um, within a couple of years, around 2004, I teamed up with two more consultants and then we formed a consulting firm. And the okay. consulting firm was based on my methodology. So I managed the consulting firm myself until 2010. And, um, but since 2010, what I do now is I, I use the same model that I created to train consultants right, mm. to actually go out there and fix businesses. Now I use the same model and I train business owners directly. So that's what makes me kind of an attractive speaker. So I speak, I travel around the world. I've been to over 30 countries in the last 10 years. Um, I speak, I speak about business. I train people, I do retreats. So um, that's what I do a lot. So, you know, the first question that I had sketched out for our interview today was, was to talk about the typical turnaround situation and, and what you're saying about, you know, the, the owner and the, and the work that the owner needs to do obviously is a big component to that. What sorts of uh, behaviors or issues would you have typically have seen in a typical turnaround situation? Uh, we're talking about the time before COVID. Yeah. So the owner is only one of seven areas of turnaround. Okay. I've devised seven areas and I'm happy to go over them if you want later. But in, in, the, in the case of the owner, I'm going to tell you how it is. Okay? Every single time when I get into a situation where that requires turnaround, it's always the same thing. What I find, imagine this, imagine a business owner crunched down in the corner of his office, shaking, right? <laughs> that's the, I mean, it, they're obviously not like that, but that's the attitude. That's the energy that emanates from business owners when they get into a turnaround situation, right? So it, they've stopped making decisions a long time ago. They're, they're allowing way, way too much of their environment to affect them. So at this point, they're like, well, I can't fight. Even though I'm not making money, I can't fire my employees. Oh my God, they're going to sue me. Uh, I can't, uh, I, I need to pay my bills. Otherwise, they're going to put me, they're going to put me on COD or, you know, like they're freaking out. Like everybody is an enemy. Yeah. Everybody is, it becomes an enemy. And then they're just like this, this little victim to their own environment. So one of, the first thing, one of the first things I do is I grab them by the skin of their neck and I lift them up and I say, man, let's, let's do this. And so the, one of the first things is, is, to, is to give them a kick in the pants and, and revive them a little bit and say, hey, you know what? You've done this before, okay? Because if I don't have somebody who is standing on solid grounds who actually wants to do this, if I don't have somebody who's motivated, if I have someone who's too afraid, there's no way we're gonna do this. Mm -hmm. But once I have that, Sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes I've been able to turn around businesses, literally, David, by simply kicking the guy in the pants and say, hey, hey, stand up. And he's like, yeah, man, I need to stand up. And sometimes it's enough. Because let's see, you have to remember, when you get into a, a turnaround, this used to be a thriving business in most cases. So what happened? Why is it that a thriving business goes down? So in other words, you, you have a business owner who used to run the business successfully. And so here's the thing. I, you know, there's an association in America called Turnaround Management Association, the TMA, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if you've heard about the TMA, but I go to their meetings. Yep. And most turnaround experts are mostly lower-fight accountants, right? Many of them actually were accountants or CPAs before. 
and now they um, now they go in business and they turn around businesses by actually affecting the numbers, right? Because you have, let's face the reality. If your business is going down financially, it's not going well. So do we need to address the numbers? Absolutely. But is the numbers the cause? Is it the cause? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I was able to identify seven different causes to actually, that actually take a business down. And the reality is that in 99, if not 100% of the times, the business owner themselves, they, they think they know what the cause is, but they never know. It's always the wrong cause. What, what I've consistently seen when, you know, in a lot of these situations is, is that certain other elements will be introduced into the business that will start to be self-acting or acting in their own interests. So they'll end up with different other stakeholder groups within the business who are acting in their own self-interest versus the interest of the business in general. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the owner is not willing to take those parties on for some reason. Yep. It happens. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what stakeholders could be ideas in that sense, right? Like people will introduce ideas and they're like, oh, like let me give you an example. Very common, right? The business is going down and then I, I show up and then I start speaking with a person uh, in the accounting department and I'm like, I go back to the owner, my sponsor, and I say, you realize that your bookkeeper doesn't even know the difference between a P&L and a balance sheet. I mean, you're just like, you know, oh yeah, but it's my cousin and he needed a job, right? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we're going to have to get rid of your cousin because your cousin sucks at accounting and I need my numbers like presto. Yeah. I need the numbers right now if I'm going to be able to turn this business around. Well, we can't, we can't. See, they have these ideas. I call them sacred cows. Mm. They have these ideas that become more important in the survival of the business. They, they think, oh, you know what? I can have an obstacle here, which is a moronic cousin who doesn't know anything about marketing, or excuse me, anything about uh, accounting. And they say, well, I can, I can still survive with that. And then there's another obstacle there as well, which is just as moronic. And I say, oh, no, I can still survive with that. And then they end up having so many obstacles around the course that they can't go anywhere. And, but but they, they maintain the, necessi- the, the necessi- necessity of having these obstacles. Yeah. And I said, no, we're going to get rid of these obstacles. So we have a clear path so we can survive, right? Yeah. So and that's how I turn them around. What, obviously, with, uh, with this COVID crisis, there's, there are a lot of businesses out there that were probably functioning quite well. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what's, what's caused them to be put into a situation where they need some kind of turnaround is a big change in the marketplace. Either yeah. the demand has suddenly dried up for their product or service, or they've been mandated to simply close by, yeah. uh, by public health authorities. And so, so how can you know, people that have been affected in this way look at their situation? Um, yeah. Is there a certain lens we can apply to help look at this situation uh, in a fruitful way? Yeah. So... <clears throat> yes. I mean, I could spend two hours answering that question, but I'm going to tell you very briefly. There's something that I refer to as the three C's of business, right? Three most important things that need to happen in a time of crisis. Number one, communication. You, mm-hmm. need, to be, you, need, to be out, you need to be out there and communicating with the, your stakeholders, which, is, which are what? Your employees, your suppliers, and your customers. You, you cannot actually quiver down and just and then just wait that this hope that this is going to pass. It will not. You have to stand up, act like a leader, and reach out. Right? When I get into a turnaround situation, you have to understand this, right? I walk inside of the business, I speak with that bookkeeper, 
And, I, and then I realized, okay, we have $3,000 to pay the bills this week, but there's $15,000 of bills to be paid this week. Mm. We're going to have to make some decisions. Okay? We're going to call some of those people and we're going to say we can't pay the bills. Well, who do you think we end up paying? We pay the bills of the people who've been calling us, the people who've been giving us a plan, the people who say, hey, 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 right? Those are the bills that, that are elevated to a priority position very quickly. Those are the people we pay. So if you are a business owner and you're going through some challenges right now and other businesses are going through some challenges, if you want to make sure you get paid, make sure that you're actually on the phone reaching out to that guy, maybe yeah. playing a round of golf with that guy right now, right? Because if you're connected, if you have this affinity, you know, people might actually care for you. You know, if you're a business owner, you have employees, you have to stand up and, and be a leader in these times. You know, your employees are expecting to understand. You know, some of your employees are freaking out. They, they expect the same amount of money coming in every month. They, they have payments for this amount of money. So you need to give them a plan. So communication is essential, right? That's the first C. The second C is um, cut, 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 right? I mean, it's pretty simple. You have to cut. Now, I'd, because now we're like a month, a month and a half into this crisis, I would assume that by now most people have cut a lot. You know, but how do we actually strategically cut, right? How do we actually make some changes? Well, what I tell, what I tell my clients is very simple. I say, I want you to print a PNL, a profit and loss statement. Hmm. And I want you to go line by line. It's called yeah. zero base budgeting. Go line by line and reassess each and every line and say, okay, yeah, we, we normally spend 1200 bucks a month on this. How much can we afford to spend now? Right? And then you reassess every line by line. And because I've done this exercise a million times, I can tell you that in most cases, I can get rid of 30% of expenses like, like that, like in one day, okay? Very easy. So that's one of the first things that people have to do. And this is probably where you're uncovering a lot of these sacred cows. Yeah. Think, things that have, been, that have been hanging on the company, drawing a little bit of its resources all the time. In good times, it didn't yep. matter. Yep. But, but now we have, to, we have to address these things. Yeah, exactly. Right. Maybe you've been paying your, your, your daughter a $5,000 a month salary, but she never really works in the business. Well, you know what you say, you know, honey, you still live with daddy and mommy at home. So you're not going to pay you 5,000 a month anymore. Right. You understand like all these things, but you'd be surprised at the end of the day, how it's so simple. It is very, very, very simple. Turning a business around once you remove the emotions. And I think that's one of the most important things. Hmm. Business owners, in good times, we can actually afford to be emotional about our businesses. And many business owners actually get very emotional about their businesses. But in bad times, you can't. You have to be rational, you know, 100% rational. So that's what I tell my clients. And then the third C is cash, right? Right now, you need to hold on to cash. Uh, in a crisis, there's a lot of people suffering out there. There's a lot of people that are going to tell you, hey, come and give me your money because some people were not ready. Some people did not have cash. They didn't have any reserves. So they need to build their reserves, you know, like, like while the crisis is, is going. So you'll find a lot of people reaching out for your cash. You have to be very, very discerning, right? Um, if you have a little bit of cash, it's probably not a good, a good time right now to go buy a new car, even though cars might be on sale. If, you, if you're not already a sophisticated sophisticated stock market investor, probably not a good idea, you know, to follow your, your broker's tip right now. Okay. Um, you'd much better stay on, stay with cash, stay liquid because there will be a time 
when that cash, first of all, we don't know how long the crisis, the crisis is going to last. So to have more cash is better. Well, the, and, and there will and be this, a time when we, and this is important, Marco, because when this crisis first came, uh, you know, everyone was expecting it was going to be a, a brief period of time. And then people said, look at the experience in China. Everything's opening up again. It's been three months. But now what I'm hearing from different government officials is that we're going to have some degree of restricted liberty in our normal business life until there's a vaccine potentially. Yeah. So, so we could be dealing with <coughs> rules that come and go in a big way over the next 18 to 24 months potentially. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a story of, I think it was in Thailand, um, a bunch of Boy Scouts went into a grotto because they wanted to explore that grotto, right? There's oh, like, I, rem- I remember this in the news, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, well, I don't know, 10 years ago, five years ago. And then it was just a teacher or the, the scout leader with like 12 scouts. And they walked in there with like 12 scouts, I think it was 12 scouts, and like three sandwiches, right? And a little bit of water. And uh, then the, wa- the grotto got flooded, right? And uh, the entire community actually got involved. I mean, the army, the, the firemen, everybody got involved. So they had the scuba divers actually go underneath. And they actually found the kids. But it took something like, I want to say, 11 days or something like that to rescue all the kids, right? Yeah, I remember. But here's the point of the story. It was a long time. Everybody survived. But here's the point of the story. They walked in the grotto with 12 kids and three sandwiches. They came out of the grotto 11 days later with one and a half sandwiches left. Do you understand? And that's what I mean by you have to reserve cash. Because as long as there's a sandwich left, you have hope. You can actually go through a lot longer, right? Human beings can be extremely resilient. We can be massively, massively resilient. One of my clients in, in um, see, a lot of people think if we, if we don't drink for more than three days, we die, right? It's common knowledge. If you don't drink water for three days, you're dead. Well, I have a, I have a client in France who wrote a book called 12 Days. It's also in French, 12 jours, okay? That's the name of the book. You can buy it online. And he spent 12 days without putting anything in his mouth, not even a drop of water. And he survived. Okay. He wanted to prove a point. Now I'm not, please don't do that. Okay. This guy trained for years before he was able to do that. But my point is this, human beings are a lot more resilient and a lot tougher than most people think we are. So um, keep your cash, you know, keep your cash. Make sure that by the end of this, by the end of the, of the crisis, even if you don't have any money right now, by the end of the, the crisis, you still have a little bit of money left. When they say all is good, everything is all right, you still have, you know, you go back to your, mm. your little tin can and you still have, you know, a little bit of money in there. What, you know, clearly when we're talking about an infectious virus that's going around and, and this is what people are afraid of, you know, along the spectrum of businesses, certain businesses rely on congregations of people, you know, music concerts, but, but even, you know, catering venues, uh, catering companies, you know, caterers, restaurants, pubs, nightclubs, this kind of thing. Um, So clearly the, the, the danger or the, the public policies related to the perceived danger of the virus are going to have a bigger impact on these kinds of businesses where, where people gather typically what are some of the ways someone could sit down and ra- to use your word to rationally analyze their situation 
and and know that maybe the fight is not worth it that it's it's time to recoil and salvage with whatever resources we can to try to create something new in the future what what kind of things should people be thinking about if they're not sure if the fight can be won yeah well that one thing cash is is one of the most important things right if you don't have the cash right now forget about your business you know like if you see this is what i tell my clients i say you have to take a journey into the future you have to go into that scary place now the future mm. right in your head you walk six months out and where are you six months from now you know can you survive six months i don't want you to figure it out in six months i want you to figure it out right now right so you walk out six months and you see okay am i still alive in six months and if you're not then today is the time to make a decision Right. I have some of my clients right now who are delivering food from Amazon. Do you understand? I have clients right now that I told them, I said, you need to go deliver pizza for Papa John's because Papa John's is actually hiring a lot of people. And, it's, and, and they're loving it because I told them, I said, listen, okay, enjoy it. You get, to, you get to meet people when everybody's confined, locked down. Just turn it into a game. This is not your life. You're not going to do this for the rest of your life, okay? but you're not in a position, you're not, you are not ready for this crisis, you need to be willing to step on your ego right now and go deliver pizzas if that's what you have to do. Do you understand? So yeah. that's what I mean by rational decision, okay? I, I think it's this is the, such a great point, Marco, because I, I've, I've personally witnessed a lot of really sad situations where businesses were in decline and the owner makes the sin of taking their own personal resources to try to feed, feed the, the business to keep it yeah. alive without yeah. addressing those sacred cows. And so the, not only does the business go down and destroy the business, but it takes all of their personal wealth with it. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's awful to see because if they had been willing to make that decision, like you said, they yeah. could at least salvage those personal resources perhaps to, to live again another day, create a new business down the road or, or what have you. Exactly. And this idea of stepping on your ego is so important. Let me give you an example. I have a client in, um, around Vancouver. She lives around, I don't remember what city, but it's around Vancouver, Canada. And she was really freaking out. She runs a daycare center, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, no kids, right? So the government of Canada is actually paying, giving her employees, or maybe the government of British Columbia, giving her employees a couple thousand dollars a month to stay at home, right? So her employees are taken care of. But she still... She still has rent. She still has expenses. She's still, mm -hmm. you know, trying to maintain the place afloat. And she's by herself, no employees. And she's freaking out. So she reached out to me. Here's what we ended up doing. First of all, I told her that, so I have this belief. There is always a way if you are committed. There's always a way if you are committed. And that's the reason why I have never failed. I have never failed at turning around a business. As long as the business owner didn't fail me. You know, sometimes they say, okay, Marco, no, we don't, want, we don't want you here anymore. Well, okay, good luck. But if they stick with me, I have I've turned like a real turnaround, like days away, months away, weeks away from collapse, 100% closure or bankruptcy. I've done probably around 50 of those, right? In the 750 businesses I worked with over the last, you know, 20, 20 plus years, I've done about 50 massive turnarounds. And so I, so I told her, I said, there is always a way. And here's what she did. She called all of the, the moms and dads of the little kids. And she said, 
$200 a week for you that you're normally paying me is not a lot of money for you, but it, it's the world to me. So if you, if you don't mind, just continue paying me through this crisis. Because if you don't, I'm not going to be there when you go back to work. I'm not going to be able to survive this crisis. So she reached out individually. You know how, how, how she had to step on her ego to do that? It was very hard for her to do that. She reached out individually to all the families of all these kids. And guess what? They all agreed. All of them agreed. Right? And she made them some promises. I think she said, you know, when, when this all goes back to normal, I'll do additional things for your kids. Like I think she's going to put on maybe a, like a summer camp for free. Or, you know, things like that to actually kind of pay them back. But you understand? People want to help people. And number two, she reached out to her landlord. And she said, you know, this, I'm not going to be able to pay the rent. He agreed to reduce her rent 50%. And she reached out to her employees who are sitting at home, being paid to stay at home by the government. And she said, would you mind volunteering a few hours to come and help me clean and, and organize and get rid of a... And many of them agreed. And you understand? It at the end the of the month... Principle. Yes. Yeah. At the end of the month... This month, she will put more mon money in her pocket. You understand? And her, her business is closed. Yeah. But it's, it's this idea, number one, of who you are. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Do you have a, do you have a mastery over your emotions and your ego, number one? Number two, do you communicate? I see how simple that is. Mm. Very simple. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and to, to empathize a little bit with the other parties that you're talking to, you know, you, you mentioned the parents need her to be available when they go back to work. Her yeah. landlord needs her to survive too. Otherwise, the landlord is faced with these vacant spaces in their property and, and they have yeah. bills to pay, right? Then yeah. um, I had a, a call uh, last week with one of my clients who's in a similar situation where uh, it's a bit of a crisis. And I said, look, there, there's pain here because things have been closed in the economy. Everyone needs to take their part of the pain. Yep. You get on the phone, you talk to people, and you try to get some other people to share the pain you're going through. That's right. Together, that. together everyone's going to be able to carry their part and we'll get through it and things can start to function normally again. Um, you know, I liken it to a natural disaster. You know, when there's an earthquake in a city and buildings collapse, everybody runs out and they start digging and they start looking for their neighbors and they start trying to help and they start doing whatever they can to help the person next to them. This pandemic is a similar kind of thing. It's just that we haven't seen, you know, you know, physical destruction, but we're seeing an economic destruction. And Emotional destruction as well. Exactly. And so, and it's okay to reach out for that help because people's natural instinct, I think, is to want to help everyone else. Just, just like you said, I agree. I agree, yeah. my friend. And then, and then that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> you know what I say? I do a lot of these interviews right now on podcasts and radio shows. And, and it's what I say. I say, you know, when you go to war, there's always somebody who's responsible for holding the flag. And no matter what happens during the battle, right? If the person gets hit in the shoulder, they still have to hold the flag. If they get hit in the leg, they still have to hold the flag. If they fall, somebody else needs to pick up the flag because the moment the flag falls, mm. we've lost the battle. Mm. And there are people in society that have been elevated to flag bearers, people like you, people like me. It is our job right now 
to do everything we can to make sure that the flags fly, my friend, that people have hope, that they know. And, and there's, there's, there's you know, influencers like you and I, but there are also business owners out there that actually have a responsibility towards their employees. We are the flag bearers and we have to remember it right now. No matter what happens, we have to hold those flags. We have to make sure that we keep the hope up. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted with the media. I'm disgusted with politicians because it's one thing in normal times, you know, to take sides, but right now to yeah. take sides is, is treason in any country. And, and I understand, right? I'm, I'm not, you know, I was not born yesterday. I understand that media have to, they have to make a living as well, right? So they, they have to right. sell ads and, but man, some of them are over-exaggerating it. And I'm not, I'm yeah. on both sides, right? On both sides of the spectrum, the liberal and the conservative. They're just exaggerating. I mean, uh, and then they're, they're creating more and more dissension where what we need right now more than ever is union, not dissension. Yeah. We need cooperation and people for, for people to come together. Yeah, I agree with you totally, Marco. Yeah. Um, th- this has been great. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to come and join me in the audience today. Uh, Marco, if people in the audience want to find out more about you and the work that you're doing, what's a way for them to find you online? So the easiest way is just to Google my name. You Google Marco Robert, M-A-R-C-O-R-O-B-E-R-T. I'm everywhere. Now, I'm just going to say one thing. What I've been doing during this crisis, because I'm a flag holder, because I'm a flag bearer, I actually put together a group where I'm teaching business people over the course of two weeks, and the group just repeats itself. I, I start a new group like every two or three weeks. And over the course of two weeks, I teach business people for free. I don't even ask for their name. I, it's 100% free. I go in detail into what do you need to do right now to actually make your business successful? What do you have to do right now to not only survive the crisis, but thrive beyond the crisis? So there's a couple of websites where people can go and sign up for this. Number one is the COVID 19 recovery.com. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the COVID recovery.com. So I'm, I'm just, I alternate between those two sites. So the COVID 19 recovery.com and the COVID recovery.com. So if you're watching this and you're a business owner and then you'd like to have some tips, you know, we just, we just keep on uh, helping people. So you'll see it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Marco, thank you so much. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Remember everyone, uh, if you haven't already, if you head over to my website, davidcbarnett.com, there's a sign up there to get on the email list to make sure you never miss any new interviews or recordings like this one that we're doing here today. And with that, we'll say see you later and uh, we'll talk next time. Thank you, David.